Welcome to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. This week, I'm joined by Adam Willem, a member of BMO's institutional rate sales team. This week's episode is titled, Just Be Long. I'm Ben Reitzes, and you're listening to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC sales and trading team to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep the show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted by our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. Welcome, Adam. It's been like forever. I say this every week to everybody, but it always feels like I'm using everyone too much. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, I haven't spoken to them in four months. Honestly, (laughs) it's been a pretty wild few months. It really flew by. It feels like it was just yesterday. I think that's maybe that's it. Maybe the market just keeps us so keeps me and everyone else so busy that uh, time is just flying by, grinding us, grinding us down. So. This is a pretty active week. It's been a wild ride the past few weeks. We had uh, some regional banking fears, then a hawkish Fed, then a massive payroll. Then we got a huge CPI out of the U.S. and we're just kind of volatility reigns supreme. All the while, Canada is just tearing it up here the past few days. What are your clients thinking? Adam has some, some very important clients on the Canadian landscape. And so his views are well-renowned and, and I'm always interested to hear them. <laughs> well, I mean, if I, uh, if I could give you an accurate forecast of what was going to happen to rates time and time again, I probably wouldn't be working here anymore. But I don't, I don't need a forecast, <laughs> just your views. And what are your, what are your clients thinking? What are they looking at? So, you know, like you kind of alluded to in the Canada performance, there's been there's been a lot of buying. Uh, a lot of it's been centered around the broader sell-off that we've had in rates. And a lot of that just comes from attractiveness in sort of all-in rates positions versus where they were, say, to end 2023. Uh, so the, the broader yield backup that we've had over the last couple of months have just brought in a lot of buyers. Uh, the Canadian market in particular has been uh, absolutely on fire. I think a part of that is even though it looks expensive, there's a reluctance to be short going on right now. You know, we saw a pretty big squeeze in some of the curve positioning uh, into the end of 2023 last year. Things like tens bonds, tens bonds box, Canada US cross market. Anything related to the long end. Anything related to longs where, you know, if you were a dealer and decided to draw your line in the sand when Canada US longs went from negative 70 to negative 90, and you thought, well, we're not going to break negative 90. Well, when it got to negative 125 and you got stopped out four times over, you know, there was some real pain in some of those trades. And we saw that pain from hedge funds. We saw that pain from the dealer side. And I think there is a lot of reluctance on the street now to get caught wrong footed. Some of those flows were well broadcast. Some of them were not. And I think there is this underlying suspicion that perhaps there's a program afoot. This curve keeps flattening. We don't want to get caught wrong footed. We don't want to get caught short. There hasn't been enough supply, I would say, in the long end as well. We've had a couple of blackouts, uh, like a notable one 
would be Quebec, who's been out of the market for quite some time for a couple of different reasons. But uh, so, uh, and then on the corporate side too, we haven't seen nearly as much long issuance on the corporate side. So there's been a couple of reasons there. You've seen um, LDI players continuing to add to long positioning as yields back up. You know, despite the fact that Canada might be up from the US, as yields back up in general, they continue to add to longs. And it's not like, uh, you know, we need to see someone coming in to buy a billion longs uh, to see that rally, all it takes is a couple of different players in buying 25 to 50 million clips at a time over a period of time. And uh, that combined with street covering, you know, brings in a pretty big bid for Canada relative to the US. So right now it's a bit of a don't be short hot potato. And that seems to be squeezing the market higher. So we just need to see more bonds for starters. Supply supply would help. It also feels like after the fall, after that squeeze, we probably just still need to recover mm-hmm. as much as anything else as in like, so many bonds were taken down and they're not coming back that uh, we just need to see a, a few supply episodes. And again, the provinces really not being overly aggressive, at least especially not on the long end, is kind of keeping things from, from normalizing to some extent. But as the weeks and months go by, should this normalize? Will we see Canada cheapen up? Will the curve steepen at least on a relative basis compared to the U.S.? Uh, is, is that a reasonable expectation? The, I mean, we, you've talked about it on this podcast before, and we've talked about it on the desk ad nauseum. The bonds are coming. There are lots of bonds. Deficits are going up, not down. Bond borrowing requirements are going up, not down, likely. I mean, we'll see what happens in the budget, but it, I find it hard to imagine, you know, when you have a government that's implementing a, a $30 billion bond purchasing program for CMBs, I mean, they have to finance that somehow, and it's not going to come in the form of fewer bond issues. So, uh, you know, I think similar to what we're seeing in the U.S., all signs point to you know a bigger bond crop. My colleague Joel is kind of alluding to it, where you know we start to see you know problems in the U.S. Treasury market with off-the-run benchmark bonds now, where you know you're starting to get these dislocations where double old twos relative to twos, say in the U.S., traded a pretty hefty discount, or double old fives traded a pretty hefty discount versus you know CT fives. And so, to me, that is a canary in the coal mine of. There are too many bonds. If it's a benchmark bond, that's one thing. You have the the swap buyers that need to use the benchmark bonds, but you have these off the run bonds that indicate, hey, there's there's kind of a lot of bonds outstanding currently, and I think you're going to see a similar issue in Canada. Now, one problem that's been structural here for a long time, when we're talking about the long end, is you know typically in Canada there hasn't been enough long bond supply to satiate the investor demand side, but I think that that's going to come more into equilibrium. So, you know, does a, owning a 10-year a bond in Canada at 360 make sense at this point? I don't know. If we think our star is going to be higher and there's going to be a higher bond crop or more bond supply, you know, there is a good argument to be made that, you know, fast forward five years, that's going to look expensive. That's fair. The risk premium also, I think, is, is probably something that... Uh is lacking in the market, I would guess, just because, I mean, just based on the risks you mentioned. And if inflation's a little bit higher, if our stars a little bit higher, whatever that is, the, the, the risks of that are not zero. And so that, that needs to be at least to some extent taken into account. And we probably don't really do that just because of supply and demand fundamentals at the moment. But that can change. Speaking of supply and demand fundamentals, pretty pretty wild day. Today is it's, it's Wednesday. The CMBs, 10-year CMB deal came today. Uh, and we've had the uh, a rip-roaring market again, Canada massively outperforming, the CMB deal performing okay. Those spreads have come in over the past, I don't know, six weeks or so. The government took down 50% of the deal. You mentioned they're issuing bonds to buy CMBs. 
You can go back to our CMB episode to listen to our opinion on that. It's not particularly positive. Uh, it hasn't changed. What's your opinion on CMBs here? What's your opinion on CMB spreads? And uh, where do we go from here? In the short term, I think you probably see CMBs wind back out again. Uh, I mean, we've seen this time and time again. The street has a tendency to richen up CMBs in the, you know, if you say CMBs come mid-month, uh, is when the issuance gets done. A mortgage originator hedging has to be done by the end of the month prior or the start of the month. So you have a situation where, uh, or an ebb and flow where typically CMBs could be under pressure leading up into the start of the month for the two weeks from the first of the month until the middle of the month when they do an issue. Uh, typically you'll see a bit of a grinding bid come in, which is exactly what we've seen happen again this time. And we're, we're gonna see it again for the five year, we're gonna see it again for the 10 year. Uh, and then post deal, typically we see a little bit of pressure. There are uh, you know accounts involved in the market that look to take profit. If they get any tightening in spreads, if you get a rebound in swap spreads, sometimes we'll see swap spread pressure into a deal. If you get a rebound in swap spreads, you'll look for some of those asset swaps to get taken off. So I would think in the near term, CMBs probably uh, widen out a little bit. In the medium term, long term, whatever you want to call it, I'm very constructive on CMB spreads. Um, Don't you have to be? You have to be. There's just not enough. <laughs> there, there isn't. And with the government purchase program, there's going to be even fewer. And you know, now if you're a international investor and you need something with an explicit guarantee that trades back of Canada, you know, and now we have a, a, our own Canadian government is is a becoming a large holder of these things. You have more comfort to buy them, and there's just fewer around. So CMBs are just going to disappear. So yeah, I'm very constructive on CMB spreads over the next, you know, medium time horizon, next yep. next few years. So uh, you know, if you do get a backup, how far is that going to go? Maybe tens go to forty. I guess it depends on the risk, but maybe tens go to forty two or forty three. I think you you have to buy them there because you know, fast forward a year and they're at thirty, and you're thrilled that you own them. Yep, that's fair. I I agree. Tighter tighter range, fewer bonds. And and the, yeah, the, the whole trading range will be will be tighter, both for fives and for tens, probably. Yeah. Just with the government taking down so many, oh, so many bonds, for better or worse. I guess it's better for CMB investors. So, get them while they're hot. <laughs> get them while you can, because you won't be able. To, they will be hard to come by. And and you know we have these buying programs where you know they're focused on one line or one name, and that's what they want to buy, and they'll buy it. So. You know, these things will disappear and they'll just continue to ratchet. So you're constructive on CMB spreads. What about provinces, provincial spreads, and just risk in general? I have been very impressed, I would say, with the performance of provincial spreads in the last little while. Now, I think a part of that is a function of risk assets. Risk assets in general have been astoundingly strong. That just means he's not long enough in his PA. Uh, you can never <laughs> you can never be long enough. That's, if there's one thing we've learned, long. it's that they only go up. Just um, be long. <laughs> and so, you know, my view, and the people I talked to would know this too, my view is is um, the cycles that we have in credit markets and risk markets at this point, similar to business cycles, have become much sharper. So we'll get, uh, you know, prolonged rallies in risk assets followed by very deep, but very fast, you know, sell-offs. 
Do I think we're speeding toward that inevitably? Yes, I think that's coming up. But I would have said that last year too. And, <laughs> last and here year, we are. One yeah, year later. And here we are a year later. And it's like, well, uh, you know, if I was short last year, I'm double short now. Um, that carry's going to hurt. Right. So so I've been really impressed by the performance and risk assets. I think at some point the party will be over. I, If I had to guess, I'd say it's probably in the next six months. Uh, I think the data isn't coming down fast enough to make central banks comfortable with going out and cutting rates. You know, sticky inflation has been a topic on this podcast for a long time and all over the street. And it's performing exactly like we thought it was. It's remaining very sticky. I think the street has a whole bunch of traders out there who are used to low rates and reasons to cut them. And it's not filtering through. So I think the market keeps getting ahead of itself, looking for these cuts and not getting satisfaction on the data front. And meanwhile, I think the, I think, you know, the Fed and the Bank of Canada the data just isn't trending in a direction to make them comfortable to go ahead and cut rates. So I think what will happen is you'll see a big risk repricing probably in the next six months. Jeez, you're bearish. Yeah, I'm going to take, take the other side of that. CPI wasn't good, for sure. The U.S. numbers, they were hardly constructive. The opposite of constructive. However, the Fed only cares about core PC or PC deflator. And we'll get that at the end of the month. And right now... I mean, our forecast is for a 0.3 on, on the core PC deflator month over month. That's subject to change, but that's that's the forecast for now. That's what I'm. That's what I've seen from others as well. Uh, that is hardly disastrous. The base effect, the year ago number for January was was 0.5. So the year is going to come down to 2.7. So that's still in the right direction. So you're trending the right way. And I'm curious to see if January was a bit of a one-off. You get some calendar repricing, the calendar changes, and people are like, all right, well, menu price changes. Let's uh, boost these prices while we still can. So I think we'll, we'll might see something similar in Canada. I think it's it's a little bit harder here actually, just given that we we look at CPI and our metrics are uh, not quite as favorable as that that PC in the US. So things are a bit harder here. But if we get some improvement on the breadth of inflation in Canada, if, like if it's only shelter that's moving things, then maybe the bank will start to look through it a little bit. I don't like. I don't like saying that too loud, but uh, that, that that's one thing that the governor did mention uh, in, in, in the past couple of weeks is the breadth of inflation. And a half of the about half of items in the, in the CPI basket are over 3% year over year, which, again, is too high for them. But we'll see where that goes in the next few months. And so it still looks to me like the Fed is, is, has set themselves up for a cut. We'll see. Again, it, um, it's, it's inflation dependent. So we'll, Core PC still got to keep coming down for Canada. It's a little more challenging, but we'll, we'll see again how the data go. And, and I'm kind of warming to an alternative scenario. So the base case is four cuts from the bank this year, four cuts from the Fed this year, timing kind of middle of the year-ish. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's important to be at least a little bit flexible on that because the data do change things. But And then the base case is, is kind of more cuts as, as we move through 2025. But there's an alternative scenario in my mind, and I haven't written about it, but I, kind of, I, still, I want to, so I'll just put it out here anyways where we get the, the cuts this year. And as we move into 2025, those cuts actually drive a, for some firmness in activity. Inflation starts to pick up and, oh, no, rates need to go higher again. So maybe it looks a little bit more like the, the late 90s uh, where you got cuts in the mid 90s, you got cuts and in 98, you got cuts as well. Uh, and that was followed by a, a few more hikes. And so I think there are decent odds on a scenario like that. And that that would make that would be a little bit more trouble for risk assets on the second go around, but it wouldn't be an issue this year because you still get at least the first round of those cuts. What do you think about that? 
that kind of plays into what I was talking about in terms of business cycles, where you know you get a situation where, say, central banks start cutting rates, and uh, you know spending behavior from the general population goes right back into, hey, wait, money's getting cheap again. Let's buy, 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 and they get themselves a situation where they have to hike rates. I, I. I think you that, like it, don't you? I do. I do like it. I do like it. I like it a lot. I'm warming to it, and in Canada in particular, given our, our the housing backdrop here and just the pent up demand and and obsession, honestly, obsession with housing and mortgage rates and everyone being a housing expert and consumer in way too many uh, just just too much too much housing in Canada. I mean, rates matter that much more here, and so as soon as there's a green light or seeming green light to start buying more houses, oh man, watch out. And and that's when activity picks back up and that's when inflation picks back up and oops. The big question there is what happens to the curve? Because in that case, <laughs> uh, it's uh, you, you get a bit of a whipsaw. I mean, like you alluded to, with all that housing demand, population growth that we've had ongoing, you're gonna need a lot of infrastructure financing. So yep. what happens to the curve in that situation? Well, I, it, at, we're at very flat. Point, it, we, so we're extremely flat. And so I think that maybe that goes back to term premium and, and uh, people, I guess, putting a little bit less faith in central bank's ability to hit their inflation target one and wanting a little bit more compensation for the potential volatility that's in rates over the coming whatever, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to have periods where we get overnight rates at 5 plus percent for whatever number of years, a year or two years or three years, oh, well, maybe a 3% 10 year isn't quite enough yield for me or a 3.5% 30 year, not quite going to cut it. I want more than that because guess what? There's going to be long periods of time where it's going to be way higher than that and we're going to have a problem. So maybe you get a little bit of a, a some bear steepening, the dreaded bear steepener. Mm -hmm. Maybe not immediately on the back of that, but it, I think that would create a pretty challenging backdrop. Uh, I mean, there, now you, the, the other side of that is is there could be cracks in the system that we don't see and some kind of crisis blows us up and like regional banking, you name whatever it is, commercial real estate, whatever else you want, I don't know. Canadian households, I doubt it on that one, but uh, and that that just runs everything over, and 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 then we do go back down. And then you get the bull steepener, and then you get the bull steepener. Okay, so in both cases, we're cuts. looking for the steepener. Uh, it's, I mean, can are we really gonna get flatter? Is that yeah, a reasonable I, outcome? I, I, don't, I, it it's just hard for me to believe that outcome, given what you mentioned about off the run treasuries becoming problematic, and and supply globally is is continuing to go higher there's just a no no restraint on the fiscal side yet and i'm not i'm not sure why that changes until markets are like no i refuse to give you more money which would be back to our friend mr joel prusky mm -hmm. his favorite thesis so and this is where you know when we talk about why the market is where it is and why canada's been outperforming nobody likes where 10-year yields are but you can't be short them because Canada keeps outperforming. So the rush to cover and not have that position on, trying to hedge it with the U.S. doesn't work because you have that that you know higher yield natural bid for duration that will end at some point. But you can be wrong for fifty to one hundred basis points before it works in your favor, which is not okay when you're when you're a dealer. That's that's a good point. I think the inability to use the U.S. as a as as a hedge uh, is probably problematic. I would think for mm -hmm. desks generally. Uh, interesting. So we just covered in Canada. Good point. I like that. That's a different different one. So we're in the middle of February. It is uh, it is Valentine's Day. 
Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for having me on I'm such so, an important day. I'm so sorry I didn't bring you chocolates or flowers, but maybe next time. Uh, you didn't bring me chocolates or flowers, though, either, so That's I guess fair. we're even. Um, looking ahead to the next few weeks, other than my vacation next week, what do we have on the horizon for markets that uh, is notable that people should be looking out for? Uh, so I think one of the big driving factors would be uh, bank earnings season. Uh, Canadian bank earnings season is going to kick off uh, at the end of the month. So you know, currently we've got Canadian names in the U.S. and bail and paper trading about twenty to twenty-five basis points through the CAD equivalents. So you know, obviously once they report, that kind of green lights for supply. I would think that you're going to see a bunch of the Canadian banks look to tap the U.S. market first. So I tap that U.S. market until some of that basis goes away. So from a swap perspective, that's going to put a little bit of downward pressure on Core Sofer. So we should see a little bit of that coming through. We should also see some pressure in swap spreads as well. And also we should see a little bit of a bid emerge in the five-year sector. It's actually kind of worth looking twos, fives, tens. That flies cheapened up the last little while. I think there's some constructive reasons why fives might outperform a little bit on the curve here. I haven't liked fives for a long time, but given some of the recent moves and, and some of the bid for that five-year part of the curve that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks, I think they'll improve from here. So uh, kind of a good reason to maybe own some fives. Interesting. So uh, interesting you say that because as mortgage season picks up, I guess that's kind of temporary. Maybe you use any 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 strength in fives to actually sell them is the way that I look at it. Mm. I'd go the other way. If, assuming you think mortgage demand picks up, uh, but it's going to depend on how, how, how rates look in general. But uh, you're, you're going to see a lot more pressure on the five-year sector if we see more demand for houses and more demand for mortgages and all that kind of stuff. I think that's probably a spring thing, but you could use any strength if it's on, on the back of, uh, of bank earnings season and any issuance there to, uh, to, to put that two, five, tens on whatever, mm-hmm. fade fives, whichever way you want. What else do you like? Any other trades other than selling all your risk assets <laughs> and loving fives in the near term? I still like, I think Canada uh, looks reasonably priced for two cuts. Well, it's a little bit more than two cuts. We had a massive rally today. But at the end of the day yesterday, we were kind of sitting around two cuts for the end of the year. I think that's actually not a bad level to receive kind of relative to where the U.S. was. Uh, U.S. The time was kind of around nine, you know, 90 beeps of cuts priced in the end of the year. So I don't mind that. I think that makes sense. I still like steepener style trades. I know it's it's tricky because you have to kind of time them right. But, you know, I think if you're receiving, even if you're receiving, say, one-year OIS in Canada, if you're receiving, like, backdated, you know, um, like, D-SCAP, for instance, in Canada versus further out the curve, I think those trades make sense. You know, the big steepener, i.e., you know, whether it's one-year, one-year versus 10-year, I like that stuff too. But unfortunately, at this point, it's, you know, there's been a relentless bid for duration. So it's uh, it's tricky on the timing front. So for now, I think you just wait for opportunity. Try to get long some fives into the end of the month. Let uh, let the decent bid come in for duration. Let those fives go. And then, like you said, set up for being maybe being short that sector going through mortgage season. Credit? What about Provy spreads? I, I, I mean, they've tightened. And, and I'm not going to say that they're particularly attractive here per se. But I, I don't think you sell them here either. Like there's no... There's no near-term catalyst for things to widen out a ton. And, and if you do get some kind of crisis, they will outperform all other credit. So it's hard to say that you want to lighten up in that sector. Yeah, what are you going to replace them with? Like, are, you exactly. gonna sell, are you going to sell provincial spreads to buy stocks? Like The equity risk premium <laughs> is nothing. So I, and that, doesn't, that doesn't do anything for you. 
Uh, we've seen some client resistance in like long Ontario spreads kind of down around 87 basis points. We're seeing more two-way uh, than anything. I would say from, you know, 93 down to the 87 level, there was a decent amount of buying going on, but definitely more two-way around 87. So I, I guess I'd say, you know, around 87, I'm probably neutral, maybe a little bit of a seller. I don't think there's a ton of room to perform there, but um you know, if we do get the risk blow up that I think is going to happen in six months, then yeah, you probably want to own them. <laughs> six months, a long time. Yeah. In the meantime, you carrying that 87 basis points. Mm-hmm. Not that bad. No, it's it, it, it's been worse. It's a lot of basis it's points. It's been for worse. Six We've months. gotten down to 83 basis points in longs. I think if you, to, if you get to 83 or even <clears throat> sub 80 in longs, I think you want to let them go with both hands. But, you know, that's still four or five basis points away. Okay. Why don't we leave it there? Perfect. Thanks for coming on Valentine's Day, Adam. Thank you so much for having it. me. And uh, we, I, you know what? I'm gonna. I, I talked to uh, Robert Kafsik last week about, or two weeks ago, about housing, uh, and I, I want to have him back and, and talk about uh, provincial fundamentals. And I want to include you as well at the same time to talk about the provincial market in general. Maybe we'll get Sugar as well, our, our Jordan Sugar, our provincial trader, and make it a, a bit of a round table. If I can, we'll we'll see if I can manage that. I'm, I love that idea. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm just pretty ambitious, but uh, I'll, I'll do my best. So I hope to have you back in the. Post-budget season, let's call it. In that. the post-vacation season. Well, it'll be post-vacation because this is the last one before vacation, but around around April, May. So that would be great if you would do that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great uh, couple weeks. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. For full legal disclosure, visit bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.